We love him. And how much more so our heavenly father who ain't messed up like us, how much he loves you. Just take that in this morning. Yeah. Uh, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here with New Life. It is such a privilege to be with you here today. Uh, we've been going through a sermon series on living missionally in this world. Living with purpose on a mission. The mission that Jesus has given to us is that we're to be messengers of God's good news. And what is that good news? It is that the kingdom of God has come near to you. That means that the God of heaven and earth, he loves you so much, he came in the form of a human being in Jesus to be near you, to be close. So much so that Jesus laid down his life to squash any bad blood between us so we could be near. That's good news. And this love, it's so powerful that the nature of it is he wants to love others through us too. That is such good news. It's almost unbelievable. Uh, my, my son said to me earlier this week, we're just reading like the manga Bible. Check it out. It's pretty awesome. He's like, why does Jesus love humans so much? Uh, because my son has a bad view of humans. Like, he's been reading the news too much. So indeed, why does he love us so much? It's a deep question. I was like, you know what, son? I don't even know how to answer that. Because after all that we have done and left undone, we don't deserve his love. But he loves us. It's amazing. For those who have experienced this love, that's why we're even here. That is how amazing and powerful God's love is. It literally will go beyond us. This is how you know it is the love of God because the love of God, it can't be contained. God's love by nature, what it does is it overflows. That means, that's why at first, when we experience God's love, it, it, it just start showing up in our lives. And if we get in touch with Jesus' love, that love is going to show up with our family. And that's going to help us to persevere in faithfully loving and praying for them, even if they don't understand it at first. And that love is so powerful that we learned last week, it should show up with your friends and your coworkers like a fragrance that comes out. That's the nature of what God's love is like. And this is why God's love, it must show up even in love for acquaintances and strangers. What are you talking about? This is what it means to live missionally, full of the love of God that he's put in us. Where do you get that from, Dave? I'm suspicious of that. Why should we even love strangers, really? Let's dive into the Bible passage from this morning, and we'll find out. Please stand, if you are able, for the reading of Scripture taken from Galatians 5, 13 through 17, and 22 through 25. I will be reading from the New Living Translation uh, this morning, Galatians 5, 13 through 17, and then we'll skip some verses to 22 to 25. It says, starting from verse 13, for you have been called to live in freedom, 
my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So, I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Down to verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us rascally children. We need you, Lord. Lord, you know our thoughts. You know how our week's been. You know how our day's been. You know all those things. We give them to you, God. Help us to trust you with those things right now. That you know about them. You know the best way to handle them. We just want to give them into your hands right now. So that we could be fully present. Not just physically, but our hearts and minds. Our spirits are here. Help us to be opened up to what you are speaking to each and every one of us this morning. Help us to take it in and help it to show up and overflow in our lives into this week. We need you. We thank you for your grace, this love we do not deserve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As we read that passage... Why do we love even strangers? We're going to take it verse by verse right here. Verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. God has called us to be free. That means, what does it mean to be free? It means not bound. It means not contained. And what is this freedom for? God's freedom sets us free from being all, not all about just ourselves. It sets us free so we can finally love one another. We don't have to be ashamed or held back to serve others because in Jesus, we know our worth. So we 
are loved by God himself, and that frees us to love others. Okay, then, who are we to love? Who are we to love? Verse 14, it says, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. You might be thinking, who is my neighbor then? Well, I'm glad you asked because there was a Jewish lawyer who asked Jesus the same thing. Who is my neighbor? What's that boundary right there? Surely there's some boundary. And the way Jesus answered that question, if you're familiar with it, this is Jesus. He tells him a story. And this is a story you may have heard about called the Good Samaritan. Uh, and most people, when they think of the Good Samaritan, you know, they think, you know, somebody on the road, their, their tire got blown out. It's a, just a, a Good Samaritan is just a nice person that helps other people out. But did you know, most people don't know, did you know, is that most Jewish people, certainly the Jewish person that was listening to Jesus, they hated Samaritans. Those are the people that Jewish people felt Samaritans, they're mixed blood. They're watered down people. They're not down with the true people like we are. That's what they thought of when they thought of Samaritans. And Jesus goes ahead and tells the story of a Samaritan. In Jesus' story, it's the Samaritan who ends up being the most compassionate and generous to a neighbor that's a total stranger, maybe even an enemy. Why does Jesus tell that story? Because Jesus is pressing with that story, and it presses against us as well. Whoever we think is not our neighbor, that is the neighbor you ought to love. Oh, Jesus. You see, Jesus' love is overflowing. It's unbounded. It crosses over and through boundaries. Here again. We are not to love just those who are close to us. But if the love of the Father is in us, we're going to love those who are far from us. The mission to bring the good news of love is the same to those who are close as well to those we don't know as well. Even a stranger on the street. Dang, Jesus. Dang, Dave. That's hard. Yes, it is hard. It's hard for me too. Let's go back into the scripture. Verse 15. But if you, you know, he, he gets into a little bit why it's so hard. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Jesus knows our hearts. Our sinful human tendency in this sinful, broken world is to be about our own survival. Right? That's, that's, that, that's what the streets teach. That's, that's how the world rolls. It's about your survival. You get your own. Our tendency, our natural tendency in this world is to put others down or out, not to build them up. But the Apostle Paul warns us. What's going to happen if we keep going down that path? We're going to destroy each other. Check it. Think about it. If each person is just for themselves, 
then there will never be enough. But imagine if everyone was for the well-being of others, all our true needs would be met. So what's worse is the battle is not just with people outside of us. Scripture says the battle is actually inside of us too. Verse 17, it says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. For those of us uh, who've been trying to follow Jesus, the battle's going to be even more for, fierce for you because there's going to be a battle between your sinful nature and the Holy Spirit that God has given you. That's why so many of us, we might have good intentions, but they fail to become good actions. There's something going on inside of us. Dave, uh, I thought we were talking about good news. Uh, you're making me feel worse. Okay. Remember, we have to understand the bad news before we understand the good news. So that's the reality going on in us. So the good news here in this scripture is that, you know, God hasn't left you alone in the fight. Did you know he's given you a superpower? He's given you his Holy Spirit, his presence inside of you if you are a believer in Jesus. So right here, it's our choice, actually, whether we're going to use that power or not. That's what gets us into trouble. Because in verse 16, why does it say this? So I say, Paul's saying, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Which means we could let something else guide our lives, right? So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives in verse 16. Then you won't be doing what your simple nature craves. Look, the reality is that we're all going to be led by something or someone. All of us. Right? So I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to follow nothing. I'm a leader. Guess what? You're following yourself. Your sinful nature. So it all comes down to whether we're going to follow our sinful nature or if we're going to follow the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? How do we do that? How do we follow the Holy Spirit, not the sinful nature? The key to win is surrender. The key to win is surrender. You're like, what, Dave? That sounds like the opposite of winning. Okay, stay with me. Okay, because by surrender, I don't mean giving up. I mean giving to. Right? I'm not talking about giving up. I'm talking about giving to, giving control to someone else. So let me explain by way of analogy that I've used before. Imagine. Imagine that your life is like a wrestling ring. Maybe it's been a while since you've seen some WWF. Now it's MMA, I guess. You know, imagine your life is like a wrestling ring. But this is a tag team wrestling match. In this match, your opponent is all of life's challenges. 
And just in case that wasn't enough, there's life's extra challenges waiting outside, ready to jump in. Now, you could choose at that moment. You could choose in this life whether you're going to rely on yourself and your sinful nature, in which case you will get dragged around. You could choose that. But here's the good news. The Holy Spirit of God, imagine it is waiting on your side, right, for you to just tag him in, tag the Spirit in. In a tag team match, there is something called a grace period where you can both be in the ring at the same time to face your opponent. That is what I mean by surrendering to the Spirit. Think of that. When you surrender to God, it's like tagging the Holy Spirit into the fight now. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to overcome and to stay in the hard battles. To love others when everything in your sinful nature is like, forget that fool. <laughs> everything is the opposite of love in your heart. Ask anyone in the church who has been through recovery, myself included. It is surrender that has saved our lives and continues to. We don't just surrender one time. So every day is a surrender. In recovery circles, we say one day at a time. It's one day of surrender to the Lord every day of our lives. That's how we win. Scripture says that the Holy Spirit will live inside anyone who will trust in Jesus to not only save them, but to lead them. You have the Holy Spirit. You have that superpower just waiting inside, waiting to be tagged in if you're going to let him. We are Christians that have the Holy Spirit. We, we have the Holy Spirit, but will we be led by the Spirit? There's a difference. Of verse 25, Paul says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. How, how do you recognize the Holy Spirit? How do, how do I know this Holy Spirit is in me? In John 14, 26, it says, the Holy Spirit's job, Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit's job is to teach us everything that he's commanded of us. And to remind us of the things that Jesus has said to us. So you know, is the Holy Spirit, if it's telling you to do something, it will always and it should Line up with the Bible. If it doesn't, that may not be the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit will be in line with what Jesus has said. And in that same vein, in verse 22, it says, but the Holy Spirit, how do, how do you know? The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. This is how you know that the Holy Spirit is in you. It will produce this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, any sense of faithfulness inside of you. Gentleness, anytime you're able to express self-control, that's a spirit inside of you. That comes from God. Now, we may have little fruit, but you know, nurture it, continues to grow. I am especially in need of self-control and patience, especially. So, it says there's no law against these things. 
So we can recognize the way we know it's the Holy Spirit is if it brings out the good in us, not the selfish things of us. That's how you know the Holy Spirit. So that's going to bring us back full circle to loving our neighbors, even strangers. Think of this. Have any of you, any of you, you don't, you don't have to raise your hand, but just think about it. Have any of you ever had an experience where someone just randomly came up in your mind? This person just randomly came up in your mind. Or whether it be someone you haven't spoken to in ages. Or whether it might be some stranger that's sitting right next to you to talk to them. Have any of you experienced that? I, I know some of you have. Uh, some of you have even had dreams like this. That's the Holy Spirit right there. How do I know that's the Holy Spirit? Because like we talked about, the Holy Spirit will always challenge you beyond your sinful nature and will most likely challenge you to do the thing to love another, reach out to another, rather than selfishly just, just being about yourself. That's how you know. That's the Holy Spirit in you. So let us live by and follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Even and maybe especially in loving people outside our usual circles. So I want to share some concrete practices. Some concrete practices to start living missionally outside of our circles. As Morpheus says, there's a difference between knowing the path Walking the path, right? So you got to walk this path. You Taking some concrete practices, okay? And I'm just going to tell you, it's, it may be challenging at first. It's challenging for me. But it's good that it's challenging. You know why? Because then you have to rely on the Holy Spirit, right? If you could do it on your own, you don't need the Holy Spirit. Then it's like, okay, that's, that's the work of humans. But to do spiritual, natural, supernatural work, you need the Holy Spirit. And if you need help in this area, just like Jess was saying, try doing it with a life group. You can encourage each other into it. All right, so first concrete practice. Take a moment to listen to the Holy Spirit for someone at church right here. Either before service starts, well, that's past, but think about in future practice. Or the time right after this sermon even. Or even after service, I challenge you to ask God, God, is there anyone here that I might not even know that well that you want me to talk to today? Ask him that. Jesus loves to answer those kind of prayers. And take a moment to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. It may not always be like in an audible voice like this. Rarely it's not, but it might be a picture of someone's face. Maybe it'll be a picture that you don't even understand. Maybe it's just a sense of peace or something. Take a moment to just listen. What is the Holy Spirit nudging you towards? And if it is towards taking a step to love on somebody, that is the Holy Spirit. Just so you know... Uh, as, as, as you hear those things, that's where you're going to practice that surrender. Because he, he might show you something. And it might take you a risk to do that, to love on someone, whatever the Spirit puts on your heart. But resolve 
to follow the Spirit now. You know, I've never been turned down in the church if I offered to pray for someone. I, I've gotten weird looks, but no one said, no, don't pray for me. You, no one does that in the church. That's why you're here, right? <laughs> Look, if we can't take a risk for God at church of all places, where can we? <laughs> this is a place where we can do that. Let's start right here. Hey, maybe someone might look at you like you're foolish. Okay. Maybe the thing you might share might not make sense to that person. That's okay. But if you share it with humility, that person will be honored. And I promise you, God will be honored. That's God's heart. Now, another concrete practice. What's another concrete practice? It's going to be a next step, a little bit more challenging. Offer to pray for someone who serves you at a business. Offer to pray for someone who serves you out of business. You know, I learned this practice from Chris. So I'm not going to take credit, but it was very helpful for me. During the week, uh, maybe when you go out to some business and some employee may help you with something, because people are grinding right now, it's hard. Take a moment, offer to pray for them. Okay, how does this work? Uh, this kind of works well at restaurants with waiters, because... You know, there isn't like a line of people waiting behind you. Uh, but that wouldn't stop someone like Gina, right? That's, that's how she loves on people. When they come up to me and they take my order, or maybe they're uh, bringing my order to me, I just ask them, hey, I I'm going to pray for my food anyways. Is there any way I could pray for you? Pretty crazy, huh? And if they're not sure, you can just ask, okay, can I just pray a blessing over you and your family? That usually kind of like, oh, okay, they're not trying to come at me with something like put me down. It's like, oh, they want to bless me. Okay. And if they're in a rush, like they, they got a, other customers waiting on them, just let them know, hey, uh, I, I will pray for you. Okay. You, you can go ahead and tend to that. You know, in this situation, I've never had an experience in such circumstances where someone got mad at me for asking if I could pray for them. That's never happened to me. Even if they say no, then in my time, that they can't stop me from praying for them, you know, which is awesome. I mean, they could go, but I'm still going to pray for them, right? Just lift them up. I love it because they can still be touched by God, right? Just about two weeks ago, I went out to eat with Gus at El Arco, you know, the new burrito shop business around the corner. And we just did that, right? Uh, our server came up, brought our food, and I just asked her, hey, is there any way we could pray for you? And then she was like, kind of like speechless for a bit. And she started tearing up a little bit. She was so touched by this unexpected offer. And she said, yeah, you can pray for me. She said, pray for my little brother. He's being bullied at school. And pray for my sister. She, she's getting in the streets. I was like, Okay, wow, thanks for sharing that with me. You don't even know me. They're like, all right, we're going to pray for you. Right? She took off, me and Gus. And Gus, actually, he prayed for her before we took our meal. You never know when someone is going to be blessed when you reach out a little with God's love. Third challenge. Talk with someone who may come up to you in need. Okay, if you live anywhere in L.A. City... Uh, especially now, out here on the east side, 
You cannot go out for very long without being approached by somebody who's going to ask you for money. Right? Am I right? Now, of course, not everyone comes with the best motives. So you should be mindful, of course. But 1 John 4, it challenges us. If God has loved us, don't close your heart to someone who is in need. If the love of God is in you. And, and there's different approaches, different approaches with this. Uh, me personally, I try to, if I can, offer to buy them food. Or in some cases, I do give them money. Because ultimately, what they do with that money, that's up to them and God. They got to deal with God on that one. But what God is holding me responsible is how will I respond to someone in need as God has loved me? And just be generous. But most of all, when I'm not always, but most of all, when I'm in a more surrendered place of the spirit, I actually take time to listen to them and offer to pray for them. Even to ask the person's name is very humanizing. I'd like to uh, call up the worship team. As I close with an experience that still, that I had that still challenges me to remember to take risks outside my circles to let someone know of Jesus' love. Years ago, back in the day when I was a high school teacher in South L.A., a bunch of us teachers went to a burrito shop. Okay, there must be something with God in burrito shops with me or something. But anyways, we're having a good old time when suddenly this guy comes in at us and starts yelling at us to get out of there. That we don't belong there and a whole other bunch of things I will not repeat here. My teacher friends were like, we just packed up our stuff and, and, and getting ready to leave. I don't know if it was the spirit or if it was just uh, me did not like this aggression coming out of me. Uh, but call me foolish. Uh, but I stepped closer to this guy. And I just said, hey, man, what's going on? And then he started telling me that he was a war veteran, his experience in the war. And then he was telling me how his family, he was losing his family. And then he was telling me he had killed a 17-year-old out in the Middle East, and he was so torn up about it. I was like, what was he, in this 180-degree turn, as he's pouring out his heart, he starts apologizing to us. He starts hugging us. We're like, what the heck is happening right now? And I just realized, whoa, I'm just stepping into a God moment right here. So my friends, uh, they left. But I want to stay and talk with this guy. And he started tearing up. And he confessed. He's angry at God. And he felt that God had forgotten him. Because today was his birthday. We prayed together, and he was thankful. I believe that God knew it was his birthday. That he hadn't forgotten him. Eugene, that was his name. He felt touched by the love of God that day. Simply because this fool decided to just listen and be led by his spirit. Let us get into the habit of not listening to only, but being led by the Spirit. 
You are loved by God. And God wants to love other people through you. Even those you may not know well. God's love cannot and is not meant to stay contained. I'm going to call up Gus right now. He, got, he, got a, he didn't know the word I was going to preach, but he got a similar word uh, this morning. And uh, if this resonates with any of you, I encourage you to go to any of the leaders for prayer. Yeah, so this morning during prayer time, I shared with Dave, and Dave's like, hey, I'm going to ask you to come up because it connects with the word he was giving. And I didn't understand what he meant until he started preaching and he started talking about this battle and this fight. And I was like, okay, I see it now. So Friday, I was driving, I was coming uh, from the market, and I just got this image. And sometimes the images are, are they're crazy, and then they kind of scare me at the same time because it's like you get this whole story, and then it's only it only happens like in like the blink of an eye. But you know, in that like split second, I realized, oh wow, I just saw a whole movie. I hope nothing happened. I hope I didn't hit a tree or anything. Um, but in this image, I just saw this battlefield, and I saw all these people fighting. Um, some people were they were just getting beat down and trying to crawl off the battlefield. Others were were trying to stand their ground and they were getting knocked down and getting back up and they're like, no, I can do this, you know. I, I won the last fight, I can get up and, and I can win this fight too. And then I look over and there, there, there's people standing around the crowd and they all have like this armor on. They have a shield, they have helmets on. And I'm like, wow, who are these people? Nobody's fighting with them. And and so I started to pray on this, and it wasn't until this morning when I was sharing with Dave that I realized that that was God with these people on the battlefield. And it's like sometimes, you know, we get into these fights. Sometimes it's fights that we put ourselves into, and we think that, oh, well, you know what? I won that last fight. Yeah, so what? I, if I got a, a broken nose or a black eye and, a, you know, a broken arm, but you know what? I walked out. But we don't have to go through that. God has given us this, this shield. He has given us this armor. He has given us this, this helmet to protect us. But all we got to do is just turn to him and say, hey, I, I need your help right now. And, and even now, just thinking about that image, he's not away from us. He's right there in, on the battlefield with us. We just got to look to him and just say, hey, I, I can't do this on my own. And there's no reason for us. I mean, looking right now at all of us here, even if there's one person in this room right now, if you're going through a fight, you don't have to go through it on your own. I guarantee if you ask the person to your left or to the right, hey, um, I need help right now. Can you talk? I guarantee you, like Dave was saying, no one here will deny prayer. I guarantee that person will not tell you, oh, no, you know what? I don't have the time right now. But you know what? If they don't have the time, I have the time right now. Dave has the time. All our leaders have time for you right now. Why? Because God has given us his time. So you're not alone. We're not alone. Sometimes I feel this way too, that I'm in a fight. And that's why there's times when I meet up with Dave, I meet up with Chris, you know, I talk with someone. So we're not in this alone. This is not a fight that needs to be fought alone. Why? Because we're all part of the same family. And we all have one great father. 
please. You'll see leaders come up. Don't hesitate to come up and, and, and ask for that, that, that shield. Ask for that armor. Ask for that helmet. Or just come up and just sit. You don't even have to um, ask them for prayer. Just sit there. Just sit there in silence and just let them pray over you. Let, just receive God's love for you right now.